Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, called Frogs, Frailty, and Freedom. very last verse of Exodus 7 says, coming off the plague of the Nile turned into blood, and there was blood in other places as well. It says, seven days passed. If you have a King James, seven days were fulfilled, Exodus 7.25. After the Lord, the Lord's the one behind this, struck or had struck the Nile. Now, if you were curious about the plague of blood, it did last a week, and some scholars believe that you, have, you need to see the first plague as programmatic. What they mean by that is simply this may indicate that each plague lasted about this amount of time. We don't know for sure, but that's, a, that's an interesting thought that each plague lasted about a week, about a week. It would be hard to imagine it lasting much longer because the Egyptians were desperate just to find drinking water and they were looking for subterranean water. Everything else had turned literally to blood And God had made a very strong point, and he had attacked one of their gods, the Nile God, the gods of the river, if you will. And there was more than one God associated with the river. Osiris was a God named Kanum, and a God named, of all things, Happy or Hoppy, which will apply to our message today. And so The God of the Bible judges, if you will, the gods, small g, of Egypt. And you could imagine that over these seven long days, there was probably desperate digging, probably rioting in the streets. You could imagine that if people were desperate to find the most basic essential of life, that is drinking water... We watched uh, as COVID occurred and how desperate people were to stock up on stuff... And I personally bought 750 rolls of toilet paper. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do it. But, uh, <laughs> but we watched how people were dealing with the, the plague, if you will, of COVID. I remember the first time I walked into a store and they were recommending masks. And about half the people in the store had masks on. And I didn't have a mask, so I, I had a cloth thing that I had uh, grabbed from my garage. It smelled like gasoline. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, but it was a very strange thing. It was almost like nobody wanted to even look at each other. And that was COVID. That wasn't drinking water is gone and everything's turned to blood. So you can imagine how bad it was in Egypt. If there were news reports, if there was a news station, you know, reporting on this, it would be a very dark time. Could you imagine the fear in Egypt? Because they didn't know it was only going to last seven days. Can you imagine how many questions, how many conversations, how many people were probably doing rituals and other things just to try to figure out if they would survive? And this, Egypt, was the greatest nation on the earth at the time. Where do you go? Who do you trust in now? And so the Lord had struck a severe blow against the Egyptians. The key word is struck there in verse 25. God struck the Nile. It was against the river gods of Egypt. They were bleeding, if you will, and the people were reeling. Three times there is a reference to striking the Nile. 717, verse 20 and 25. 
And it anticipates other things in the Exodus. Uh, Aaron striking the water recalls, recalls Moses' earlier striking of the Egyptian. Later, Moses in Exodus 17 will strike a rock from which water will flow. He will strike that rock with that same staff. And that picture, when we get to Exodus 17, will actually be a picture of Jesus being struck for our sins and living waters flowing out. We'll get into more detail. But the Lord Jesus was struck for our sins and even anticipates the striking of the firstborn. The Lord struck. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, probably his home or his palace, and say to him, thus says the Lord, Exodus 8, 1, let my people go that they may serve me. That's the reason. They don't belong serving you. They don't belong enslaved. They are to serve me. But if you refuse, if you do not listen, if you do not obey, this is what you're to say to him, to let them go. Behold, I will smite. The Hebrew word is nagap. It's the word for plague. And if you have an ESV or NIV, that's how it's rendered. I will smite or plague your whole territory with what? With frogs. Now you guys might be amazed to know this, but that was not a recorded sound effect. I just did that. I can throw my voice. No, I'm just kidding. There's a gentleman in the back of the church. Go ahead and look back there. He's got a frog jacket on. It's lime green. His name is John the Beloved. John, stand up and do it. Stand up and do it. I'm really a prince. (laughs) And all I can say is, I told you he could do it. Sorry. Thought you guys might need a little humor today. I mean, this is kind of a fun one, isn't it? God multiplying frogs in the land of Egypt. I will smite the whole territory with frogs. You might be saying, why frogs? Well, the frog or the toad was deified in Egypt, and they had many gods and goddesses as the goddess Hecht. If you're interested, taking notes, H-E-Q-T, or it could also be rendered H-E-Q-E-T, Heket. That was the frog goddess often depicted with the head of a frog or even the body and the head of a frog. And you say, well, what is the deal with this goddess Hecht? What was she about? Two primary things. She was supposed to be the protector of the frog population and uh, control the population. So she was uh, population control, namely of the frogs, And she did this by keeping the crocodiles alive and healthy. The crocodiles were the natural predator to the frog. And so if she could control or let the crocodile population thrive, then she could control the frog population. And so that was one thing she was known for. The second thing that she was known for is she was the goddess of, get this, the midwives. The goddess of Egyptian midwives who helped women when they were giving birth to children. Now think with me. In chapter one, what does the Pharaoh do? The Pharaoh decides that he wants to kill all the Hebrew male babies 
And he, want, he asks who to do it first, the midwives. And most scholars believe that it's the Hebrew midwives, but there's a little bit of debate. It could include Egyptian midwives. We don't know for sure. And so he tells them if a male baby is born, what did he say? Kill it. And the midwives refused the Pharaoh. They said, no, we're not going to do that. That is an atrocity. That we cannot do. And they refused to do it. And they made an excuse for it. And God blessed them for it. And then Pharaoh said, okay, if that doesn't work, I want all my people to take Hebrew male babies and throw them where? Into the Nile. Brothers and sisters, the first two plagues are direct hits, and you could call it justice, against the Pharaoh, against Egypt, against his gods and goddesses. You could say it this way, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You do this to my people, this is what I'm going to do to you. Interesting, isn't it? God is a God of justice. This is not just kind of out of left field that God did this. And so this frog-headed goddess was worshipped. In the Egyptian pantheon, the frog goddess Heket was the spouse of the creator god Kanum. The Egyptians believed that Kanum fashioned human bodies on his potter's wheel. And then Heket, the frog goddess, breathed into them the breath of life. She was the agent of life-giving power and also the symbol of fertility. The Egyptians, as I mentioned, relied on Heket for two things, to control the frog population so they wouldn't be overrun or overhopped, if you will. And of course, as this plague is going to happen, the frog, the frog goddess, not frag, but frog goddess is going to be humiliated. She will prove powerless. By the way, happy uh, that other goddess or that other god connected to the Nile is sometimes depicted, as I understand it, with holding out a frog. So there is a direct link between the Nile god and the frog goddess. They're, they intersect, if you will. So she was supposed to assist women in childbirth. And I mentioned to you that in Egypt, which is a type or a picture of the world, the Egyptians often worshipped what they feared. And in the ancient world, without all the medical advancements that we have, and even you know, giving birth to a child today is not, it's painful, it's, it's not always obviously a very simple process. Uh, we're told in Genesis 3, verse 16, God said that the woman would have to deal with pain in childbirth that was part of the curse that was put upon the, the world as a result of the fall. And so we know that that can be an arduous, painful uh, process. But in the ancient world, if something went wrong, there wasn't the kind of medical technology to intervene in the same, same way as today. And so many women in the ancient world, in giving birth to children, we even see this in the Old Testament, died in giving birth. Sometimes the baby died as well. And I want to tell you that the Egyptians, we might wonder, well, why would, why would people seemingly so sophisticated like Egyptian people worship a frog goddess? Because they were just like us. They were people who were afraid of overwhelming things. And they knew that women died in this process. They knew that it could be a very dangerous thing. They knew that there were no guarantees. And so they had a goddess around it to try to 
calm their fears. And rather than calling out to the God of the Bible, the God that, you know, made everything, the actual God that breathed life into everybody, they called out to this false goddess. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We are in the holiday season. Families and friends will soon be preparing for a Thanksgiving feast with football playing in the background. Friends will gather around the table for delicious turkey, complete with stuffing, cranberry sauce, creamed corn, and mashed potatoes. Don't forget about the sweet pumpkin pie. You express your thankfulness for your family, friends, church, your hobby, work, and everything the Lord provides. And after all the conversation and fun games, a food coma will follow. Thanksgiving is truly a wonderful day. We appreciate you spreading the word about our program and praying for our ministry. We are forever thankful to our Walk-In Truth Financial Partners too. The Lord is using you to help keep this broadcast and podcast reaching people daily on this radio station and around the world. Pastor Michael Lance and the team here at Walk-In Truth are sincerely grateful you are listening to this broadcast. And we hope you have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It's painful. It's, it's not always, obviously, a very simple process. Uh, we're told in Genesis 3, verse 16, God said that the woman would have to deal with pain in childbirth. That was part of the curse that was put upon the the world as a result of the fall. And so we know that that can be an arduous, painful uh, process. But in the ancient world, if something went wrong, there wasn't the kind of medical technology to intervene in the same, same way as today. And so many women in the ancient world, in giving birth to children, we even see this in the Old Testament, died in giving birth. Sometimes the baby died as well. And I want to tell you that the Egyptians, we might wonder, well, why would, why would people seemingly so sophisticated like Egyptian people worship a frog goddess? Because they were just like us. They were people who were afraid of overwhelming things. And they knew that women died in this process. They knew that it could be a very dangerous thing. They knew that there were no guarantees. And so they had a goddess around it to try to calm their fears. And rather than calling out to the God of the Bible, the God that, you know, made everything, the actual God that breathed life into everybody, they called out to this false goddess. But there's nothing new under the sun, brethren. Because there's people all over Corona and Riverside and Yorba Linda that are doing it right now. Oh, it has different expressions today. What we trust in is what we're getting at. What we truly believe can help us and save us. We often look to all the wrong places. This was the goddess of labor and delivery. And the Egyptians cried out to her. Haket, they worshiped the creature rather than the creator. Romans chapter one. And there's, you know, this subject is not an easy subject. I mean... I look out at a room like this and I know there's loss. We have, we have an abortion epidemic in America, but we also have miscarriages and we have SIDS and we have things that have happened where children 
sometimes get cancer. And, and we're like, Lord, what do we do? And, and we're often afraid. Let's, let's admit it. We're afraid of a lot of things. How do we find solace? And how do we make sense of stuff like this? Philip Reichen, who's written an incredible uh, commentary on Exodus, says, I think of my mother-in-law, Elaine Maxwell, who lost her son the day after he was born. During her pregnancy, she was exposed to rubella. So Jack was born with a hole in his heart. It was the kind of loss that a mother never forgets, which probably explains why she, when she walked into an art show 25 years later and saw a sculpture of a perfect baby boy, she burst into tears. It brought back the memory of such grief that she had to leave the exhibition. But when she returned, she noticed that the baby was resting in two strong hands, and the sculpture bore the title, In the Hands of God. And since this is where she had left her son in God's hands, the sculpture is now displayed in her home. Close quote. I've mentioned this before, but there's a lot of, new, a lot of you new to us at Living Truth. On the front row is my mother-in-law and my mom. And there's two stories of loss right here in our own family. And my mom lost uh, twins uh, before me and my sister is here and before we came along. And uh, they were born premature and it was back in the 60s. I was born 30 years after that, just so you guys know. <laughs> just kidding. And I told you guys about a telephone call. I was, uh, I was doing a sermon. I can't even remember the exact context of it, but I, I called my mom. It was about God's sovereignty and stuff. And I said, Mom, uh, the, the baby boy that she lost was named Michael William. That's my name. So I called my mom up one day and I said, Hey, Mom, uh, if he would have lived, would you have had me? And there was a pause on the phone. <laughs> And I was like, ruh row. <laughs> and she said, well, Michael, if they would have survived, I'm not sure that you would have entered in this world, but God had a plan. That's my mom. My mom's a theologian. Did you know that? <laughs> and then beautiful Anne here and my beautiful wife, Brenda, Anne lost Bobby many years ago now, um, I know you guys were there. You watched it. He was six, almost six years old. Died of leukemia. Ooh. So here we are, right? This is life. And so what do we do? Well, I'll tell you what the Egyptians did. They wore frog amulets. Necklaces in the shape of a frog. And there was a prohibition in Egypt that you couldn't kill a frog because the frog was sacred. Any of you been to India before? You'll watch cows walking the street because the cow is sacred. It has to do with the milk of the cow. And they won't do anything to the cows. And there'll be people starving, but the cow was considered sacred, so you can't deal with the cow. I had a, have a friend, and he was attending a class, and he said he had an Indian uh, professor from India. And there was an in and out close to the school. And so many of the students would go out and they would have a double-double at lunchtime. And this Indian <laughs> professor would say, many of you went to in and out ate a double-double, and you just ate my mother. <laughs> Has to do with the mother's milk. 
And he goes, and even though you've eaten my mother, I forgive you. And then he would go back to his lesson. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, says about the Egyptians something like this. You want frogs? Okay, you got them. And Spurgeon, in his great style, says, These be thy gods, O Egypt. Enjoy them. It's almost like the Israelites when they said, We're sick of the manna. We want meat. We want meat. We don't want manna anymore. God says, You want meat? I'll give you meat. Till it's coming out of your nostrils. And all God's people said, (laughs) And the Nile, verse 3, will swarm with frogs, which will come up and get, go into your house, Exodus 8, 3, into your bedroom or bedchamber, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, and on your people, and into your ovens, the last place you expect a frog, a hot, dry oven, and into your kneading bowls. Frogs, frogs everywhere. The frogs, much like the plague of blood, was going to be sweeping and very inconvenient. These slimy, unsanitary, unpleasant amphibians were about to invade the land, croaking and peeping throughout all Egyptian households. We picture, says one writer, an Egyptian mother pulling out her mixing bowls and then screaming, ah, as she discovers a frog in the dough. Now, I like pizza. But I used to work at a pizza parlor and people wanted anchovies on the pizza. And I thought, why do you want those little fishies on your pizza? It ruins everything. But how about frog legs on your pizza? (laughs) Anyway, apparently that's what was happening. The frogs were everywhere. They were teeming, swarming. The same word is used in Genesis 1.20 where God says, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures that the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God multiplied the frogs. You've been listening to Frogs, Frailty, and Freedom, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 8. 1 through 15. And if you missed any part of the program today, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, which is the church behind Walk in Truth, and that's where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies and free events, both for you and your kids like our annual Harvest Festival coming later this month. You can also learn about this Sunday's service and what the teaching will be on. Pastor Michael would love it if you came by for a visit. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app from your app store. And remember, it's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you're thinking to yourself, it sure seems like God took the long way around here. For example, why did he send his people to Egypt in the first place? Why all of this quote unquote crazy stuff in Egypt? Well, God was making a point and the point was this, that the false gods of Egypt will never satisfy. 
They might do a lot of ribbit, ribbit, <laughs> but they'll never truly do anything for your soul. And maybe, just maybe, he was trying to show the craziness of trying to make false gods for yourself and to ignore the true and living God. And so I think that is a message for us to listen to, that we can create idols in our own lives and we can think that they're so cool, but they're really nothing and they do nothing for us. They just cause havoc in our lives. And perhaps that's the main point. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are walking through the book of Exodus. We're kind of, uh, I guess we'd say leaping through it right now as we deal with the plague of the frogs. And uh, we are moving verse by verse through the book. I hope you're enjoying it. Would encourage you to keep us in prayer and tell a friend about what you're hearing. Hey, as we are approaching the weekend, we're always sharing with you to get plugged into a local church and serve the Lord and worship him in spirit and in truth. If we can help you in any way, remember, you can always reach out to us at walkintruth.com. Well, we'll see you Monday, or if not Monday, we'll see you on Sunday. And God bless you. Talk to you soon. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also so more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month or give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 8, verses 1 through 15, called Frogs, Frailty, and Freedom. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.